Life is full of challenges. With an unpredictable economy and just as surprising life changes, you need to be prepared to weather any storm. Elder law and estate planning attorney Kevin Tharp and financial advisor Gary Anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions. This is Truth in Planning. Want to avoid probate? I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, one of my favorite series of commercials over the years was Got Milk with the question mark. And it really did. It was a great marketing campaign because it kind of triggered. It was a question and a statement built into one. And so along those lines, I want to talk about today. uh, Imagine that I'm wearing a big T-shirt and it says, want to avoid probate? Question mark. Um, We're going to talk about that question and or statement today uh, on truth and planning. Uh, In fact, if you visit, uh, here's a shameless plug, uh, but one of my favorite restaurants is Papa Jack's in Flowery Branch. Mm -hmm. Excellent breakfast, uh, by the way. Uh, Huge biscuit, sausage and biscuits and great grits and everything else. But Bill has tables and around those tables, he has like business cards. Well, I have a... uh, Thing on his table and it says it's kind of like the got milk ad mm-hmm. and it says nursing home question mark or want to avoid probate lost a loved one want to avoid probate so let's talk about that question want to avoid probate and I, I will tell you in all the conversations I've had with clients over the years what they're telling me the feedback that they're giving me as lay people is we've experienced it and we don't want our kids to go through it We want to avoid probate. Now, maybe there's a disconnect between what these people are saying and what they're hearing from lawyers. But most lawyers, if you called 10 lawyers in this community of North Georgia, me being one of the 10, I would say 9 out of 10, maybe 8 out of 10, will respond with probate's no big deal. I heard somebody on the radio run an ad not long ago that said, well, if you could pick or choose a state to die in, Georgia would be great because our probate process is very simple and inexpensive. So probate's no big deal. Well, that's kind of like asking my brain surgeon, is brain surgery a big deal? From his perspective, it's not a big deal. But from my perspective, as an individual, it's a huge deal. Me getting a shot Getting a flu shot is a big deal. (laughs) So let's talk about probate from the layperson's perspective. First of all, what is probate? Probate is a legal government court process that is required when a person dies if their document, a will, is missing title. When document and title are not coordinated together, the absence of title equals the presence of probate. It's like the law of gravity, Gary. That that statement is like the law of gravity. Guaranteed every single time if you get on the roof of your house and you jump off, you're going to hit the ground every time. Well, I heard that if I have a will in my hand and I jump off the roof, I'm not going to hit the ground. I not going to encourage you to try it, but you can try it. And guess what? You're going to hit the ground. Every single time probate is involved because of how your assets are titled. It's not whether you have a document or not. I know there is a lot of people out there that are operating under the misconception 
that because they have a will, they're not going to have to go through probate. And some of that misconception, Gary, is honestly coming from the attorneys who drew up the will. You're not going to have to go through probate if you got a will. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. Whether or not you go through probate or your family goes through probate when you die is how assets are titled. Title determines everything. You tell me how an asset is titled when you die, and I'll tell you whether or not you have to go through probate. And you know why? Because the purpose of probate, Gary, is to pass title from the deceased individual to their intended beneficiaries. Maybe those beneficiaries are people they named in a will. Maybe they died without a will, and the state of Georgia has already determined who your beneficiaries are. But either way, you're going to go through probate because of how things are titled. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor. And I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney. And we are talking about planning today, Kevin. Really, it comes right back down to planning again, planning to avoid probate. And yes, probate is a big deal. I've seen too many people have to go through this over the years just because they didn't they didn't really want to change anything. And they didn't change anything, and pretty soon whatever planning they had done was just totally irrelevant, and they continued down that path. And a lot of times, Gary, they didn't change anything because they didn't think they had to because they were misinformed that they had everything, their plan done, their plan complete because they had a will. Well, maybe you ought to get it updated, but other than that, oh, I just updated my will. You know, when my loved one died, I hear this all the time. When my loved one died, we just updated his will three days ago. And spent a lot of money doing it. And spent a lot of money doing it. And now you're telling me we're still having to go through probate? Yes, because title determines everything. And here's the thing about title and a will. You can't coordinate the two together. You can't title your home in the name of a will. You will not see on the deed record a deed recorded uh, home of Gary Anderson titled in the name of the will of Gary Anderson. You can't do it. Legally, you can't do it. It's an impossibility. So when you die, since the title of your home is not connected with your will, your family has to go through probate to pass that title. Well, I know when my loved one died, we didn't go through probate at all It's because of how things were titled. Mm. There's no way around this. Tell me how an asset is titled, and I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen when something happens. So really what you're saying, Kevin, there really is no way just to think you can get around this type of thing. Probate's going to happen if you don't plan. If you don't plan, and here's how you plan. It's very simple. You can avoid probate. It's not like, well, there's nothing I can do. Kevin Tharp said I can't avoid probate. No, you can avoid probate. You can have a plan that takes the title of your assets and coordinates them with your legal document that has your wishes. And that's why we like using a trust. Because a trust is a legal document. You can put the same wishes you have in your will and put them in a trust. But the difference is unlike a will, you can go ahead and title your home, your bank accounts in the name of your will. You can make uh, your trust the beneficiary of a life insurance or retirement account. By the way, Gary, beneficiary designation is 
just as much a form of titling as the deed to your home or your bank statement reflects. It is a form of titling. And all of those assets can be titled in coordination with your trust. And when you die, there is no probate. It's like the law of gravity. It is an absolute 100% guarantee. You will avoid probate if your wishes and title are coordinated together. Now, Gary, if it's a revocable trust, you don't give up any ownership. You keep complete access over your assets. Well, how come I've never heard that before? That's a very common question that I hear. And a lot of it is because the people that are giving you advice, they go with what they know and what they know is a will. But a lot of times you hear this because the lawyer that's telling you probate's no big deal, they're hoping that when you die or your family member dies, your family will come back and hire them to carry you through the probate process. So they make more money. They make more fees. Okay. And so here's how I feel about it. Okay. I feel like if there is an alternative to avoiding probate, my clients need to know it. My prospective clients need to know it. And here's how you do it. It's very simple. Get the title of your assets coordinated with your document without you giving up ownership. And that's exactly what a revocable living trust will let you do. Kevin, why don't you give people your information because this is important. Let's make sure we know everything we need to know about this. KevinTharp.com is my website, and Gary, that's the best way to reach me. Connecting the dots to higher taxes. Connecting the dots. What does that have to do with taxes? I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney, and I'm sitting here with bated breath waiting for the answer to that question. Well, Kevin, you remember when you were in kindergarten and all that, you connected the dots because they gave you this little clue there because you had a one, a two, a three, a four. So you, all you had to do was follow the numbers because it was teaching you something about numbers at the time as well. And we now, as adults, and a lot of people who are in or close to retirement, are under, understanding one little thing that connects the dots. One thing that the dots are connecting to now is higher taxes. That's a number out there that we don't really care to get to. But that's what's going to happen. If I ask everybody in a room of a thousand people right now, do you think taxes are going to go up in the future or going to go down? Everybody in that room, except for maybe a couple, will say, yes, I know taxes are going to go up. And we have that reality. We know, we understand that reality, but sometimes we don't act on it. And we need to act on the reality that taxes are going to go up. Taxes will go higher. So we see all these little clues out there, these little dots all over the place. And let's talk about some of these clues that we have that taxes are going to go up. The first one is really, really easy. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. That came into play in 2017. It lowered our taxes considerably. We've been enjoying that now for five years, six years almost. And... um, We've been, it's something we've benefited from. We've been able to actually keep more money, have more money in our pockets, been able to have more money to spend on things. The economy really 
benefited from that, no doubt, because we had more money that we weren't having to pay in taxes. Well, folks, that's going away. That's not permanent. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is not a permanent thing. It goes away December 31st of 2025. Well, that's a long time from now, right? Well, it was a long time from now back when it started, but it is not very long far off now because we are getting into 2024. We only have two years before we know taxes will go up. And I say we know taxes will go up just because there's a lot of things involved, but politically and some things I'll go over in a minute tell us that there's no sentiment in Washington to keep that going. Let's put it that way. The tax brackets, if you're in a 12% tax bracket right now, you'll go to a 15% tax bracket. That's where you were prior to 2017. A 22% tax bracket now goes to 25, which you had before, and a 24 now goes to 28. So those are significant increases in your taxes. But let me tell you another thing that's really a significant difference too. The standard deduction. In 2017, we went from a standard deduction of $13,000 per person to $24,000. What does that mean? What does a standard deduction mean? Well, that means that you had more money in your pocket. You had money there that you weren't having to pay taxes on, and that really made a big difference to your bottom line. Well, now, unless something really happens that would very much surprise me, January 1st of 2026, you're going to go back to those old tax brackets, and you're going to go back to the standard deduction of $13,000. That's something to remember, too, by the way, for people who maybe weren't even filing taxes over the past few years because that standard deduction was so high that they really, their accountants said, well, there's no need in you even filing taxes because you fall way below that anyway. So keep that in mind because the way you file taxes or filing taxes might be a little different after that point, too. So stay on top of it because it's going to happen. Unless something dramatic changes to what's going on out there, we know this will happen. The second dot, the national debt. We're looking at that clock ticking, and it's going up $7.5 trillion since 2020, since the COVID pandemic. From 2020 to 2022, it went up over $7.5 trillion, and it continues to go up now. So we just had a $7.5 trillion increase to our debt. That's about a, that was about a 40% increase in the national debt. Debt is something you have to eventually pay off. Some way or another, we have to pay this debt off. Well, how are we in debt? How is our country in debt? We borrow money. We, we have savings bonds, treasury bonds, things like that. You're loaning the company money, country money when you do that. Well, you're getting an interest rate for that. The government's having to pay that. So we know national debt has gone up. So guess what? Taxes are probably going to have to go up and most likely will have to go up to try to offset that debt. And will that happen that way? I don't know. I don't know if we're offsetting any debt or not because the national debt just keeps going up. We're talking today about connecting the dots in financial planning, especially for our retirement years and taxes. And one big dot connection is there is a correlation between taxes are going to go up and how that's going to affect you in retirement, especially if you retire 
in the next couple of years or you're already in retirement because, as you said, there's the uh, tax act that's going to basically sunset mm-hmm. all the tax benefits that we've enjoyed since going back to 2017 is going to sunset unless Congress does something. And Congress doing something is kind of an oxymoron, I think. <laughs> and so likelihood is these tax rates are going to revert back to 2017 levels. Well, Kevin, and that's the easy way out. A lot of us would argue, and I, I fully believe this, that the tax cuts we got really did help the economy. We had more money we could spend. You could go out and buy that washing machine that maybe you were just couldn't buy for several years, but you had more money in your pocket, and you didn't really realize it, but it just accumulated over time. Your spending accumulated over time because you had more money to spend. Now you have that habit just in time for taxes to go back up. And so when we plan, of course, we have to plan that taxes will go up over time. When we build these into a retirement plan, we do illustrations there. What if taxes? What if your 25% tax bracket is all of a sudden a 35 one day? How's that going to look 20 years from now to you in your retirement? So it is part of a plan, and we can pretty much assume that that's exactly what's going to happen. We are going to pay higher taxes, and the debt, the national debt, is one big area that really is going to contribute to that that having to happen. Now, we have a choice. We can cut spending or we can increase taxes. Well, to your point, Kevin, what's the easiest thing for somebody in Washington to do? Just raise the taxes. It's a whole lot harder to cut, cut spending just because you might make a few people mad. You might step on a few toes, although we could have some really dramatic uh, spending uh, issues going on and never even see the result of that. When we cut to, when we cut spending, there's a lot of different things that can happen out there that never really involve or affect the majority of us by any stretch. But yet, our politicians, unfortunately, want to take the easy way. The easy way is just to take more money from the people who are already giving plenty of money in their taxes. Now, we pay our taxes. We're happy to do so because it means what? We've made enough money to pay taxes. That's a good thing. But we never want to pay any more taxes than we possibly have to. That's why there are tax deductions out there. That's why a lot of people give to charitable organizations, like I talked about a few weeks ago, because they get a tax benefit from that. But taxes will most likely go up, and the dots that we're connecting today are telling us that. That's the reality. We want to understand that this is not something that's a maybe thing. We have to anticipate this. Even if they don't go up in January of 2026, they're going to go up at some point. And what you're seeing is these things eat away now, like state and local taxes. Property taxes can eat into that as well, because those taxes go up as well. And we're not even talking about that. We're just talking about income taxes at this point. Gary, how can our listeners go further in connecting these dots when it comes to retirement, planning, and taxes? Well, let's make sure you're prepared for these tax increases, Kevin. They can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847. In the next segment, we're going to talk about what to do if a nursing home is in your future.
What to do if a nursing home is in your future? I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, I would say that at least once a week, we are having a uh, crisis meeting with a family. It might be a spouse and the kids. It might be the kids. It might be the grandkids. But we're having a crisis meeting because somebody has called our office, maybe because they've heard me on this radio show or referred by somebody else, but their loved one is in or about to go into a nursing home. Their loved one has reached the end of point of where their dementia has gotten to where they can't stay at home. It's not safe for them to stay at home. Uh, Maybe they've just lost a spouse. I know when my mother passed away, it wasn't long after that where things started to decline for my dad. Um, And he, you know, he was looking at a potential trip to a nursing home. Um, Wouldn't be the first time that we were faced with that crisis uh, with my dad and also just going through that crisis with my mom. And here's nine times out of 10, here's what people are coming to see me. And they're, some are distraught, some are in a panic. Some are just, they're wringing their hands. They don't know what to do. Um, And they're coming to me and they're asking me, what do I do? The nursing home says they're ready to go home. And, but we can't take care of them at home. We all have full-time jobs. We can't do a lot of the things to care for mom or dad that they need. I know my family was looking at that same exact question when my mother, Mm. uh, with my mother, she was in a hospital for a period of time after falling and hitting her head. She had a massive uh, bleeding on the brain, and it basically caused her to have a stroke, and she lost the ability to do everything, Gary. She couldn't do anything. And yet the hospital was saying, well, you're gonna, she's going to go home, and the family's going to have to make arrangements. We're like, what arrangements can we possibly make? None of us have the ability, let alone the time, but even more importantly, even if we had 24 hours a day, we don't have the ability to care for our loved one. That's what facilities like nursing homes are trained to do, is care for people who are in that situation like my mom. And so my family was literally, what do we do? Hmm. And this is what I do for a living, and it's your, it is a big deal when you're confronted with that. And even more so when you're like, I'm an elder law attorney. I deal with this professionally all the time, but this is my mom. What do we do? That's the emotional aspect that a lot of times you don't see with a lot of people. A lot of times. And so I'm going to tell you a couple of things to do in both segments, uh, or both this segment today. I'm going to tell you about some things you need to do. And here's the first thing you need to do. You need to focus on the type of assets you have. Because one of the main concerns that people have is they're being told by the nursing home and maybe others who went through this similar situation on their own They're being told you can't have any assets. If you own anything, you got to spend it. You got to sell it. You got to use it. They're going to put a lien on it. You're going to lose it. And here's what I can tell you, both professionally and personally, as an elder law attorney, as the son of two parents who spent time in a nursing home. Here's what I can tell you. If you focus on the type of assets they own, you will find that there's a lot of things you don't need to do. Hmm. For example, if your loved one owns a home, be assured 
that while living, you will not lose the home. You will not be forced to sell the home to pay for a nursing home. Now, Gary, there are other forms of care, like assisted living, where there are no government benefits and people have to sell their home to come up with the money to pay for assisted living. That's different. If a nursing home's in your future, there are government benefits that can help you pay for that nursing home called Medicaid without sacrificing the quality of your care or your loved one's care if you get these benefits. And you can get Medicaid and keep your home. Same thing with your retirement account. Same thing with your personal effects and automobiles. Same thing with your life insurance. There are certain types of annuities that are protected. Real estate other than your home is also protected. And all of those are the types of assets that are protected, single or married. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, and my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney today, is giving us really some clues and some information, Kevin, that I don't think people... As many times as you've talked about this on radio, as many groups as you've talked to, as many clients and people you've talked to, you're still scratching the surface. There are so many people that don't understand this concept, especially when it comes to a loved one being in a nursing home and the importance of making sure assets are protected for the spouse that potentially is still living in the home and could live live many, many years beyond that. And you're trying to protect the assets, if nothing else, for the spouse. The law has always said that your home is the type of asset, single or married, that is protected. Now, when there's a spouse involved, like when my mother went into a nursing home and my dad was at home, there are additional assets that are protected for the spouse at home. And those additional assets are on top of you get to keep your home and get to keep your retirement account. If you're married and your spouse goes into a nursing home, you can also keep your banking accounts up to the current, what they call CSRA level, which is currently $150,000. Each year it goes up. It goes up about 10 to 15%. So uh, in subsequent years, it's going to be 165, 175. So it's going to go up. The purpose behind that is so the spouse at home won't become impoverished because if all you could have in a bank account is $2,000, how quickly would my dad, who's still at home, become impoverished? He wouldn't be able to maintain the home that he lives in with only being able to keep $2,000 in a bank account. So when you're married, there's a little bit more of assets, type of assets that are protected than if you're single. But single or married, I hope every listener remembers this. Your home is the type of asset that is protected, and the same thing with your retirement account. But one of the most common types of assets that people own in this situation is a home. And I'm here to tell you, with 35 years of professional and personal experience, your home is protected at the rest of your life as long as you don't ever give up ownership while you're living. And that's the second thing I would focus on. Focus on keeping ownership. 
There are so many elder law attorneys out there, even. There's so many attorneys and financial advisors and others that will tell you, oh, if you want to protect your home, if you go in a nursing home, it's got to be in an irrevocable trust. A revocable trust isn't going to do you any good, they tell you, because a revocable trust isn't going to protect your home. Well, that's not why you do a revocable trust to protect your home. Your home is already the type of asset that is protected. So once you focus on type of asset, then the next thing makes sense. So why would I be told that I need to give up ownership of my home in order to protect it? And my answer to that is, well, why don't you ask those elder law attorneys out there that are promoting irrevocable trust? Because if you give up ownership, here's the reality. There are penalties. And one of the penalties is you're not going to get Medicaid. You're going to have to wait a period of time. It could be as little as a month to five years because you give up ownership, not to mention the tax penalties to you and to your uh, future heirs, your children and grandchildren, not to mention your property taxes are going to change. All of those are negative consequences of giving up ownership. But the biggest reason we tell people keep ownership is because you don't have to give up ownership to protect your home. It's already protected. And that's why we like using a revocable trust, because title your home in a revocable trust. You keep ownership. Others have access to help you manage that home if you're incapacitated in a nursing home. And when you die, that home being in a trust passes outside of probate, which continues to protect your home when you die, like it was protected while you're living. It's all about protection, Kevin. Why don't you give people your information? KevinTharp.com, T-H-A-R-P-E.com. So you think you found the source, taxes and long-term thinking. Coming up next. Tax increases and long-term thinking. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And Gary, we know the old saying, there's nothing more certain than death and taxes. And even more certain than that, I think, is that the fact that it is certain that taxes are going to always go up. Even Mm -hmm. they may temporarily go down, they're always going to go back up. Yeah, and we talked about things earlier that that are connecting the dots, let's say, there are a lot of different things out there that are telling us now that uh, our tech, our taxes, our income taxes are going to go up. I don't think that's any big surprise for people, but one of these big things was the fact that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 is going to go away, and there were some very, very beneficial tax benefits in that that we've all come to really get used to now. We just kind of accept that as the norm And then when January 1st of 2026 goes away, when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is actually just, it it goes away as well, unless it's renewed by Congress, which we don't really expect at this point. It would be a nice surprise if it did. But when that goes away, we go back to pre-2017 tax brackets, tax laws, everything else. We had a little break, but now it's coming, it's going away. And we're going to go back to the taxes. The biggest thing to me is the standard deduction now going back to $13,000. It has been $24,000. And people really, really have benefited from that because it put more money in their pockets. It was less money they were paying in taxes. That's a big thing. 
the net, the debt that we have, the national debt, which is just astronomical at this point, went up $7.5 trillion between 2020 and 2022, mainly because of the COVID pandemic. That has really created a situation now where our national debt is off the chart. One, if, you, if you can actually see this online when you go look at the national debt and watch it go up online, it's blinding to see how fast we're spending that money, how fast that debt is going to continuing to go up. We know that's going to lend to this mentality, okay, cut cut taxes, I mean, uh, increase taxes or cut expenses. Typically, in Washington, we default towards the easiest path, which is increase taxes, because that falls on what we might call the silent majority, all of us silent majority of taxpayers that are out there right now that are going to have to pay more in taxes is because of these things. So we know these things are happening, but we as financial advisors just have to plan. We've got a plan on taxes going up. When we do a financial plan, a retirement plan for our clients, that is something we take into consideration. We go ahead and build that in. I mean, we build in that, that your taxes are going to go from 12 to 15% or 25 to 28%. We know that. And even beyond that, we can build in certain things like taxes going to 30 or 35 percent. Let's see what that looks like in your overall retirement picture as far as taxes go. So we want to make sure when we plan, we have to keep that in consideration as much as we don't like to talk about it, as much as we don't hope it doesn't happen. We have to assume that it will. If you planned you're going to be a whole lot more comfortable with it than you are if you haven't planned. And that's why we put together a financial retirement plan that's, again, very simple, doesn't have to be difficult. You need a roadmap you can follow. You don't want to have all these things out there that can take you in all kinds of different directions. Make sure the plan is simple and easy to follow. And that's what we do. But one thing that we can do, one thing that we have more control of is our income, our retirement income, and sources, like I said in the end of the in the earlier segment, you think you found the source? Sources of income really can have an impact on how much money we pay in taxes. So a lot of times you've got more sources for income in your retirement than you think you do, and you don't have to really follow a certain pattern with that. There's things you can do to reduce the overall taxes you're paying in any one particular year, and it has to do with source. We're talking about retirement planning and taxes and long-term thinking. And Gary, I remember years ago reading a book by a guy by the name of Harvey McKay. He mm-hmm. was famous for Swim with the Sharks. Yep. Well, he wrote another book, and uh, I don't know if he wrote it before or after that, but the book was uh, Dig a Well Before You Become Thirsty. And I think about that when you talk about sources of your retirement income. Make sure you have these wells ready that you can tap into as various sources of income. And as a part of that plan, you need to, and that means accounts. That means likely you're going to tap into these various mm-hmm. accounts. But I know a lot of people think, well, I've got a plan because I have an account. And having an account 
is not a plan. There's more to it than that. Right. Those accounts are a part of that plan, but it really needs to be step-by-step specific on how you're going to have these different sources of income from these various accounts that you have. And that's a good point, Kevin. If you have a 401k, which maybe you now you've changed to an IRA because you're retire, you've retired, um, that's still not a plan. That's a, fi- that's a financial account. It was your employer's 401k plan, but it's not your financial plan. It's certainly not your retirement financial plan. But we do have all these potential sources out there that will create income for us during our retirement, sometimes by picking and choosing where the money comes from for our retirement income really has a whole lot to do in what kind of taxes we're going to have to pay. And let's look at certain things to see how taxable they are. One thing is the IRA and the 401k. What used to be your 401k, you moved it to an IRA. We know that the traditional 401k, traditional IRA are fully taxable. Any amount of money you ever take out of there is going to be 100% taxable. Kind of like your existing paycheck if you're still working. All of that's taxable. Now you have your deductions and adjusted gross income and things like that. But that's fully taxable. So you know if you're taking money out of nothing but your retirement account, then you're going to pay all you're going to pay taxes on every bit of that. So let's see what other sources you might have that may not be quite as taxable. Social security benefits, good example. You get your social security check, some of that's taxable, some of it's not. Really depends on a lot of different things. Number one, the the tax bracket you happen to be falling into, the amount of money, income that you're making outside of your Social Security, determine what kind of taxes you pay on that. Some people, Kevin, don't have to pay any taxes whatsoever on their Social Security, but they can pay on up to right now 85% of it, and I have all ideas it's probably going to go higher than that. I think at some point in the near future, you're going to see up to 100% of your Social Security being taxed but right now, it's not as taxable as these other sources of income. So let's look at that. We know we're going to get that. We have no choice. The only choice we have is when we start taking it. Those choices go away when you turn age 70 because you have to start taking it then. I've been one who's pushed over the years for us to maybe change that age to 72, 73, 74, somewhere in there so you can delay it a little bit longer, get a higher check, get a higher paycheck when you first start taking it. But wait, because the longer you wait, the more money you would get from it. But that's something right now that is stuck at 70. I don't see anything in the near future that's going to change that. So anywhere between age 62 and 70, you're taking Social Security. When you take it really is determined by what your needs are, what your retirement needs are, what your expenses are, things like that. But still, you're able to do that. So that's one of the sources. And then things like long-term capital gains. Long-term capital gains, you're only paying 15% on the profit that you make on your the sale of your property, the sale of your stocks. You're only paying 15% on that. So sometimes selling particular assets becomes another source of income all the, through all these years. So that's something else to think about. And also remember that Roth IRAs, any withdrawals from Roth IRAs are not taxable. The accumulation is not taxable. Anything you take of it is not taxable. 
So let's do a plan that involves all these different sources so you can somewhat control the amount of taxes you're paying in any one particular year. Gary, how can our listeners reach out to you and take that first step to have a written plan if they do not have a written plan? Kevin, they can reach us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847. Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investments involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstances. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson or Anderson Advisors is affiliated with attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show. 